The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water and Water Life Science. This show has been on for nine years, and for nine years, the the reason behind the show and all the guests that come on from all over the world. We have been in Holland, we've been in Italy, we've been in England, we've been all over the world. In Canada, I could go on and on and on, and all through the United States of America. The power of water and water life science is dedicated to you having a better understanding and reminding you of the crisis and how critical it is about the education and the purpose of the life on this planet is the water. I'm going to spell it. W-A-T-E-R. Water is vital in your everyday life. You know, I always said one time when I was in the Louvre in Paris and I looked at the Mona Lisa and I said to my husband, the Mona Lisa has been famous forever, but if it was in somebody's house, I think they would take it for granted. Life can be taken for granted when we're so busy. But guess what? We're not going to be that busy any longer. We're starting a new pilgrimage about that mission with water throughout the world. Without it, you can't do nothing. But I'm going to teach you why. As the planet developed into the life we're at today, I'm going to remind you that fresh water was in the air that we breathe in the atmosphere as a droplet of vapor for billions of years before the climate around the globe, Earth, changed. A temperature changed and evaporation happened in that vapor of water. A droplet came down. And when that droplet came down, remember all words are inventions, the droplet came down as rain. And each time that kept recycling that climate change, the droplets would come down even more. Earth began with wood, fire. There became a planet of life beginning, metal, and then water was the dominant force of all Earth to live. You can't live without it. It's recycling every day, that cycle from the beginning of the planet. You, as a human life, like all life, came from a pocket of water. And when you left your mother's pocket of water, earth nature, you entered into the air we're living in called water vapor, that invisible water that we're swimming in every day. Without that invisible water vapor every day, you would not be alive. No one would be alive. Nothing would be alive. So that water vapor is critical and vital to your everyday living for you personally. At that moment of birth, there are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints, and a lot of uniqueness in your, to each, with each person. The life of your body, water, living with the life and the water vapor of the atmosphere, they recycle each other. At the surface of your, of your body is the skin, and the skin has to operate with water internally and externally for you to be healthy and alive and detoxify and keep all those organs alive inside your body water. I will never stop reminding you of this. The brain is 80 to 85% water, must be maintained. But in the womb, 
the brain and the eyes connect at the same moment for a nature's reason. When you open your eyelid in the birth moment, at the surface of your eye is 99% water. The electrolytic ability for you like a battery being electrolytically charged with energy with the water in the atmosphere is how the absorption from the atmosphere supplements your eyes to be healthy, to supplement that maintenance of 99% water. But the brain and the eyes are connected and the brain is 80 to 85% water. What happens if you personally do not absorb enough water from the atmosphere? Your brain goes on overload. A stress becomes. Vision complaints begin. Vision impairment begins. All the way to potential blindness if you're too dehydrated because of evaporation of water from the eye. Your lungs are 75 to 80% water. Your liver, 70 to 75% water. The skin is 70 to 75% water. Your blood is 50% water. Muscles, 70 to 75. Kidneys, 80 to 85. Bones, 20 to 25%. Your heart, 75 to 80. Your teeth, 8 to 10% water. That is who you are. You're a walking sponge. Why is it that we stress, those of us in research, stress water to drink is vital to your everyday replenishment to keep those organs recycled? What do you think happens if you only drink tea, coffee, soda, juices, and other waters, other drinks that you think that can get you some water? It's not the water. You must drink Eight glasses of water a day. And as we've been learning in research, you must drink each glass at each time fully. Not sip it. Drink it all at once. The rest of your in-between water, you can sip, but make sure that eight of them are fully drank a day so you can absorb the water as you drink it. Would you water your favorite plant by a sip at a time? No. Would you water a garden a sip at a time? No. It must absorb. Have you ever noticed after a rain outside that you're looking outside and if the rain just comes down for a moment, it doesn't do enough? The rain needs to absorb to bring the life back to the water table, the water level, the recycling of whatever it is absorbing to for a healthier, healthier method for that life of whether it be a plant, a living species of any kind, water needs to absorb. It's vital to everything. The one thing about water life science research that I learned long ago is the planet forgot about breathing. The breathing of your life is vital to your everyday life because you're breathing in and out the water vapor in the atmosphere. That water vapor is important for you to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth for some exercises or in through the nose and out through the nose for other exercise. You're pulling in the moisture from the air and you're letting your own air's toxin remove from your body. It's like the ocean comes in and the ocean goes out. The ocean comes in and the ocean goes out. It's how it excels exhales and inhales with the planet Earth. It's very important to everyday life. Water around the world has not been a priority. Now, we have a lot of foundations and, and, and uh, I should say no end of, of charitable foundations out there helping others to get access to, to water. But did you know, I have to tell you, as, how to, as hard as they're working, and as much money is going into it throughout the world, we're in a crisis. The UN, all that money and all that is going on, we are in a worse crisis than ever. What went wrong? You know what I believe is wrong? Education. No one kept you really informed because you have a voice. You as an audience care about your own life, and you should. It's a miracle. You need to embrace your life. 
be healthy, demand for healthiness on this planet. But you also should be electing politicians, we're calling them now more than ever, political leaders who protect the planet, number one, protect you, number two, and your health along the way, and for a safer planet, but priority, water. We watch all those rains come down. Where is it going? We don't know because they really didn't learn how to develop a technology to protect you with the water. There's, there's global reading and writing throughout the world that you can study. Why global water shortages pose threats of terror and wars? Why do you think there's that Middle East problem going on? Lack of water. Those water wars have been going on throughout those tribes and locations for hundreds of years. There's sand. You come to other countries of the world, in Africa, and you can just go around the world and you can see the countries that did not plan on being, having a life without the water. Here in the United States, one of the most aggressive, progressive, modern technologies and inventors on the planet, we found that in California, the governor, original Governor Brown's father, they built canals through California with water to be irrigated through those canals year-round to recycle that water so that California wouldn't make mistakes and not have water. What did California do? They elected politicians that didn't make a priority of water. They started cutting off those canals to the agriculture. So therefore, the, what happened, it's like one time I had somebody on the show and I said, well, when you cut those canals off, the water wasn't able to flow onto the fields to keep the soil alive because soil has to stay alive. You don't want it to become sand and keep those aquifers below there fed with absorption of water. They had to admit. They hadn't thought of that when they cut those canals off from those agricultural fields. This country, this world out there, better figure it out because we're finding the terror is when children in California had to go to school in some areas, they didn't have the water to have the clothes washed. They didn't have the water to take a bath. Now, isn't that embarrassing for a child to go to school when they've lived in the United States of America, and we worry about food, we worry about their everyday life, and then I come on to a show with my background and my, my world that I study and all the scientists that I work with, and we know that drinking water is vital to their everyday health. They need to have a bath. They need to have their clothes clean. They need to know that people are taking care of our children, that we care. That should be a priority. The people that are having, letting this happen should be ashamed of themselves because it's happening. But we know with a pilgrimage of the power of water and water life science around the world as a mission, we're going to teach others what is important and we're going to start prioritizing the questions about water to our politicians and our leaders around the world. That's why this show is so important. There's global water shortages throughout the world. Just look it up. You can search where the water, where are water wars happening, and you're going to find out. You're going to be shocked. Even in the United States, between states, our population around the world is at seven billion, three hundred and seventy-two million, twenty-four thousand five hundred and sixty-nine people. We had. In our country, with babies being born all the time, this year, 109,101,069 new babies that are depending upon all of us to prioritize health, their breathing, the water they need to drink for healthy, for the body not to become so dehydrated that they would get diseases and die. The babies and the children are depending upon us. We better prioritize. Well, today we have a real exciting guest. I'm really looking forward to this. Dr. Robert Rosenberg 
he has been studying sleep. You know how the earth sleeps? We need to sleep. We need that rest. Our body needs to relax. Sleep. Let the brain relax. Learn to breathe. We're going to listen to Dr. Rosenberg after our sponsor with Nature's Tears Eye Menace. Did you know that water life science applied to your everyday life is a lifestyle that's happening soon all over the world? Nature's Tears Eye Mist is our sponsor to supplement the surface of the eyes to slow down the evaporation of the eyes that cause vision impairment. It owns patents all over the world with a description of supplementing the surface of the eye to reduce the evaporation of the eyes that causes a dehydration effect. We'll listen to our sponsor with just a mist and we'll be right back with Dr. Rosenberg. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. I want to introduce to you Dr. Rosenberg, who's for over 20 years been studying and research the field of sleep medicine. He's board certified in sleep medicine. He's a pulmonary medicine and internal medicine. Dr. Rosenberg serves on the medical, as a medical director of a sleep disorder center in Prescott Valley, Arizona, sleep medicine consultant for Mountain Heart Health Services in Flagstaff, Arizona. He's been featured on, with many magazines. He's been a guest on many shows. He has a very well-known book out right now called Sleep Soundly Every Night, Feel Fantastic Every Day. Doctor, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Well, this is one of the things that I study, too, with water life science. And I I will tell you before we get started that I've always said with our research and my team throughout the globe that we're studying, there are five things we need to learn about our lives and living with water life science is our application every day. Number one, we need to learn to breathe because we're breathing in and out that water vapor. Number two, we need to drink water because we need to replenish that water water in the body, that water recycling in the body, living with that water vapor. Number three, need to learn to eat the right food. We need to learn moderate exercise, but we also need to learn how to sleep. And I've said that those five things on this show many times, Doctor. I agree with you. Sleeping is something the earth does. And for some reason in our lives, we're sending our babies home with parents now the baby doesn't know how to breathe any longer after it breathed in the womb. The baby isn't drinking enough water out the gate. Mm-hmm. The baby is getting certain, maybe the wrong foods because the addiction problems and the craving problems are out of control mm-hmm. and anxiety. The baby is not, is not getting enough exercise lately because of sitting around with those handheld devices they're using. And the other one, of course, they don't know how to sleep. They, everybody thinks that when you lay your head on the pillow, you should go to sleep. That is not the way I, I look at it to be done. So you're going to teach us today what you're learning about the new technology 
in the in the, in the field of learning how to sleep. Very so cool. tell, first of all, tell us how you got where you're at and why you decided to focus on the mission statement of sleep. Well, I started off as a pulmonary and critical care doctor, basically taking care of critically ill people in the intensive care units and throughout the hospitals. Um, and um, about in the 1990s, early 90s, late 80s, uh, there was no uh, Buddy doing sleep apnea um, in the area I was in, and it was pretty much a new field, sleep medicine. So I first started off by doing that because I needed to service my patients who stopped breathing in their sleep, and I learned about that, and I started doing uh, studies. And then I, I started to get interested in sleep as I read more and more about sleep, besides sleep apnea. I became fascinated with, this, with the science of sleep, the health of sleep, how important sleep is to restoration of your body, and how interesting sleep is in terms of insomnia and the relationship to anxiety disorders and, and, right. and depression. And so the more I learned, the more I read, I, the more interesting it became until the point, it came to a point where I said, you know, I, I think I'll devote myself to sleep medicine. Um, I uh, hired a couple of pulmonary doctors who took over my uh, my previous location, the pulmonary and critical care, and I... Uh, Sat down, took the boards for sleep uh, a number of years ago, and I've been a board-certified sleep doctor ever since. And um, when I wrote my book, Sleep Soundly Every Night, uh, Feel Fantastic Every Day, the basic, what we were trying to do was to communicate the uh, the newest information in sleep to the lay public. So, um, although right now I see it's actually uh, it's being bought as a textbook by nursing, uh, uh, nursing students as well. I, I just noticed that, but it, it was actually written for the lay public. Right. Now, have you been speaking to caregivers groups throughout the United States? Yeah, I, really, I do a lot of radio programs and a lot of television. Uh, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of, a lot of people. Uh, we reach a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, and I give local, local talks sometimes uh, mm-hmm. uh, at bookstores, uh, sometimes even outside of the area, um, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to convey the science of sleep to everybody and explain to them how important it is uh, for both emotional and physical well-being. What are some of the things that you're running into with, let's just say, all walks of life, all ages? Mm-hmm. What have you learned about uh, their outlook on it's time to go to bed and sleep? How do they look at that? Uh, are they, did you notice that I said that people seem to think, I'll lay my head on the pillow right. and I'm going to go to sleep? Right. And, and they don't know, they don't real, uh, realize it's no different than learning how to brush your teeth, how to drink water how to do the many things you do to get behind the wheel and drive a car, right. and all the things we do. They, don't, they just want it to be nature's way for them to plop down. They don't want to learn how to sleep. Could you teach us today how a person learns how to sleep? Well, the first thing is to consider your environment. A lot of people think that they can be on their computers, televisions, iPads, iPhones, right up until bedtime, put their head on the pillow, and fall asleep. So that's not possible. The blue light that's emitted from these devices uh, basically suppresses and turns off the production of a a sleep hormone. It's a neurohormone actually called melatonin, which we really do need to help us to fall asleep. So so that's number two. Uh, A lot of people take their work and their worries and their uh, problems into the bedroom thinking they'll be able to fall asleep, and uh, they can't because they're stressed, and they have, they're coming into the bedroom with levels, high levels of cortisol, high levels of adrenaline and noradrenaline, and they just they don't realize that you, know, you, you, can't, you can't fall asleep when you're ruminating and when you're worrying. So the first thing we try to teach people is, is good sleep hygiene. When we educate people about, about their, the, the production of melatonin, about the effects of blue light, the computers, uh, the effects of stress on sleep, and we try to teach them ways, if they are having problems, to to deal with these stressors and to improve their sleep hygiene. So those are some of the things we do. We also educate people about the importance of sleep and uh, how uh, your very your very health, the immune system, um, your memory, the ability to to upload memories from the day mainly occurs during sleep, especially doing what's called slow wave sleep or delta sleep, and that's when we consolidate most of our factual or uh, memories or what we call declarative memories. Uh, up into the higher brain centers. So, um, so anyway, that's some of, just some of it. We also now we when a learning. person, doctor, yeah. when a person comes to you, yeah. or you're and working with individuals, right. 
on sleep. And obviously, you know, you know what happens to our society. We don't go to a person like you unless they're not sleeping. They right. wait too late. Right. In other words, when they go, by the way, we're too late. I mean, they've gone when they're exhausted. They, they right. don't know what else to do. They right. go to a doctor and say, I'm not sleeping right. right. After they've already gone so far that you're having to deal with emotions, anxiety, mm-hmm. the challenges, the stress. Right. They are caused because people are not sleeping. Do they, when they come to you, do you have them get, you get questions and answers on how much they're drinking water, what kind of diet they have, mm-hmm. their exercise? Do you get those? You yeah, know, we, we have, have to, to fill them? out a very thorough questionnaire. We have a, a questionnaire, a five-page questionnaire devoted to uh, just sleep itself, what time do you fall asleep, uh, do you snore, um, you know, diet. We have another questionnaire, two other questionnaires that are related uh, to anxiety and depression. What about water, though? Dehydration, evaporation. Well, we talk about we talk about water. I mean, we don't. You know, if, if some people actually they some people drink too much water before they go to bed, and that's one of the reasons. I'm not talking before they go to bed. I'm talking about yeah. their daily life of of hydration to slow down the evaporation of body water loss. Uh, well, we, yeah, well, we get into, we don't get too much into water, in, but we do get into things that, that are dissolved in water, such as caffeine, that can cause dehydration. So we discuss things like that, or, or alcohol, which can cause dehydration. So we get into that because that affects their ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, something to think about is what a lot of us are studying globally is the symptoms even of, like one of my doctors on here was saying too, that in Alzheimer's, we, we, he, was, he studies the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's, if when, you're, when you're studying the brain and you're studying all these organs of the body that are carrying the water table of each organ mm-hmm. and the body living with the water in the atmosphere that keeps us alive, that individuals, if they're, if they're so de- uh, dehydrated, it's because they're over-evaporating too quickly the body water loss, and they need, he found that even with Alzheimer's, if they drink enough water, it could help them. Okay. And they're finding out that worldwide, that if people are not getting enough water a day per person, and remember, no two people evaporate totally the same, no two eyes alike, fingerprints and more, that that evaporation process of body water loss to dehydration affects to eventually symptoms of disease or death, that the individuals need to be stressed. How much water are you drinking? So that they can find out. And then the other one is we've had a lot of people on, doctor, that you may be fascinated on. Mm-hmm. We're really diving into how do you breathe? Have you ever noticed that when people, with uh, how they breathe, people forget if you're not breathing correctly, of course you're going to be exhausted. And you're not sure. going to sleep well. Absolutely. Well, we also have you, have you ever thought about that in your research? Well, not with regards to sleep. I mean, we do breathing is very important in sleep medicine because we have people right. who who have sleep apnea, which is very dangerous. They stop breathing in their sleep. We have people who suffer from anxiety and they tend to hyperventilate. Um, right. So we do have those, and we also know, as far as Alzheimer's, that sleep is uh, it's during slow or during deep sleep that the brain cleans itself out of mm-hmm. the uh, unfortunately the building blocks of Alzheimer's are as a substance called beta amyloid and another thing called TAU, tau protein. And recent studies have shown that the brain brain has a system uh, called the glymphatic system, which basically cleans out toxins at about five to ten times the rate while you sleep, as opposed to the rate of cleaning these toxins out of the brain during the day. And so Mm -hmm. that recently has come come to the fore, and we now know... Explain that again to the audience so they understand that. Well, we have have what's called the glymphatic system. It was only recently discovered. We know that... uh, Fluid runs between our brain cells and what we call the interstitial fluid. That's fluid that's not in the cell that surrounds it. And we know that <clears throat> that the um, the brain um, does not have a lymphatic system. There's no lymph node, so it has to clean itself out of toxins one way or the other. And literally, uh, the pulse of the heart uh, from the heart pounding away at the brain at night um, helps to pump these toxins out of the brain. 
and uh, it also has to do with position. Do you mean, uh, can I help there for a minute for the audience? You mean to circulate that? You're calling it something, but circulation. The fluid increases at the rate that it circulates through the spaces of the brain and the intracellular, extracellular fluid of the brain. The fluid at night increases its rate of circulating around the cells, around the the neurons, at about a rate of five to ten times higher than it does while awake. And as a result, we Uh clean out most of these toxins that build up around the cells, the beta amyloid and the TAW, and some other protein derivatives, but mainly they're cleaned out while sleeping, which is something we just recently found out. That's only in the last few years that work has been done. And it may be why we are finding that people with Alzheimer's frequently have a, have a long history of insufficient sleep preceding Alzheimer's. So we're not saying that's the only cause, but we are... But, but it shows like it's a, a, a good symptom. It's a contributing factor. Probably right. lack of sleep and poor quality sleep contributes to the development of neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's. Now, have you been studying, uh, and, and I enjoy it, love this show because we talk research. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you uh, studied at all about what an individual can do with their daily health? Issues. I don't mean, you know, the health issues. And they get out of bed and you begin that day to think about a health Olympics so that when you're going through these certain things that you know by the time you go to bed at night, there's something else you need to do to prepare to go to bed, to go to sleep. And uh, about, yes, breathe, learning how to breathe. And, Doctor, I will stress to you, I have, if there is anything we have been learning about the body and the water level, and the breathing that moisture in the air. We've had a doctor on here from University of Washington, Dr. Jerry Pollack, and he was teaching us that our, our lives, because it's water in the body, and they found a fourth water in the body that does communicate with that water in the atmosphere. But that breathing of the water is so important that as you're living to breathe, but the body is like a battery charging with the water vapor as an energy in the atmosphere. So what I did is I started studying the 7,000 years of Tai Chi and Qigong of that energy and that discipline they worked with to be able to, to receive that energy that they feel with that harmony, that life, that they, with that practice. All of a sudden, we came to conclusions that breathing, we're not breathing. Have you ever stopped to think about yourself? When you breathe properly every day, and, you, and then you go to bed and you do some breathing exercises, or you should wake up at night and do laying there some breathing exercises, your body can go back to sleep because you relieve yourself because your body needs to breathe in that recycling of that water vapor and the air that we forgot and took for granted because we're swimming in that invincible water every day. Uh, and then they've learned, of course, drinking water. Some people think they get lots of water but they're not even drinking their water properly. They're sipping it. Or they think the water in the tea or the coffee or the juices is, is part of it, and it's not. Have you, have you ever studied any of that? No. What I've studied is what we use breathing techniques. I mean, well, I was in medical school. You know, we know there's a, of, a certain amount of water vapor that we inhale, and, and obviously. Uh, and, but we do use breathing techniques um, meditation techniques, rebreathing techniques, progressive mm-hmm. muscle relaxation to help right. people relax so that they can get into a sleep-like state. Usually that induces what we call alpha rhythms, which are very right. relaxed wakefulness. Um, is what you see on an electroencephalogram. You see alpha rhythms just before people fall asleep with their eyes closed and, and breathing right. techniques uh, relax progressive muscle techniques or abdominal breathing, for instance, can help people to relax and, and can be very helpful in getting them to fall asleep. oxygen recycling. Right. Right. We have to go with our sponsor. I only do this once during the show. Okay. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you some questions also. If you've been studying, you know, we have a lot of emotional problems going on all right. over the world. Right. In those emotions, have you learned anything about that they're not really getting the rest, the sleep. And that's another symptom of people with emotional problems. Don't go anywhere. You're teaching us a lot. Okay. We'll be right back. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist to supplement the surface of your eye. You brush your teeth, you drink your water, you eat your food, you do certain things 
to be healthy. But did you know that the surface of your eye is 99% water that you need to supplement it with moisture because vision impairment is the evaporation of the tear film at the surface of the eye getting severely dehydrated to potential maybe blindness? Well, listen to our sponsor with just a mist. It's tissue culture grade of water. And we'll be right back with Dr. Rosenberg. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Rosenberg, with all of your research and, and, and the people you study with and all you've done, have you noticed with all of the emotions that we're all going through, where uh, people, everybody has a different m- emotion barometer, mm-hmm. have you been able to do any study on individuals who are going to doctors for certain medications because of emotional problems, of different, of different symptoms? It could be bipolar, it could be manic, it could be schizophrenia, it could be uh, pain, it could be anything. But they're going to the doctor with emotional problems, I call it, and then I'm sure there's a, 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 one of the symptoms is they're not sleeping well either. Oh, definitely. We know that sleep and depression and anxiety go hand in hand. Okay. We know that, uh, for instance, uh, uh, frequently insomnia precedes depression, about 54% of people. On the other hand, in anxiety disorders, insomnia frequently comes on at the same time or follows the anxiety disorder. If you don't deal with the sleep issue that most people with anxiety disorders and depression and mood disorders or people who are stressed in general, if they don't deal with the sleep disorder, then the the psychiatric or the emotional problem does not improve. We need sleep because during REM sleep, for instance, we, we... we go through what's called emotional reconciliation. We basically process emotions during sleep, especially during dream sleep, to some extent during other stages of sleep, but really during dream sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep, then you're going to have a difficult time, which is why people who suffer from PTSD and anxiety disorders um, who don't get enough sleep frequently fail therapy and end up relapsing even though they're on medications. So until they deal with the sleep issue that is comorbid, meaning associated with and occurring at the same time, but is an independent issue, uh, the emotional problem usually isn't going to improve. Uh, The classic, again, being the people men and women with PTSD, um, when you only deal with the daytime therapies and you don't deal with their nightmare disorder and you don't deal with their insufficient sleep that they have because they're what we call... More emotional problems. And you know my concern, doctor, is I study evaporation of body water loss all these years and uh, the dehydration effects. Mm -hmm. And uh, that evaporation is concerning to me. And when you were teaching us about what the brain has to... uh, what what the brain does to recycle itself and the body to recycle itself while you're sleeping. Because the sleep is the reason the earth goes to sleep. The earth, you know, you look at the planet and how it is reacting to the nature of recycling. The recycling of sleeping is what you're teaching us today. We're recycling. 
And if we're not going to sleep in a healthy manner and learn how we as an individual can learn how to sleep healthy, I'm worried, I'm very worried about the medications because I think they're already over evaporating. They're already not recycling the way they should, the water table with the atmosphere and so on. And then all of a sudden they take a medication that can cause another severe evaporation that could cause the sleep to be worse. How do you, what is your reaction to what I just said? Well, we try to avoid medications of all types if we can. I mean, for sleep, I I do use them occasionally, but we try to use cognitive behavioral therapy and um, other therapies, relaxation therapies, uh, diet. We encourage our patients to uh, take plenty of antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, vitamin D, for instance, which we, uh, so we, we're very careful about nutrition. We're encouraging people to eat more omega-3s, uh, right. which of course we find in fish oil and krill, as opposed to the omega-6s, which are, which cause inflammation in the body. We were trying to, get, and we have been, we have had studies showing that people who increase their diet in omega-3s sleep better and sleep longer. Oxford <laughs> University did a study on children who were put on a high omega-3 diet and they slept with who had insomnia, and the children slept an average of 50 to 60 minutes more a night, which is very impressive uh, in a child who's maybe only getting six or seven hours of sleep. So so diet, what you put in your mouth and how your body processes it uh, is extremely important uh, in terms of sleep because sleep itself, when you don't get enough sleep, it causes inflammation. Lack of sleep actually causes inflammation in in right. in, in, in people, more women and women more than men. And lack of sleep predisposes to heart attack and stroke right. because of inflammation. That's probably we realize now is the link between lack of sleep and the high incidence of heart attack and stroke in people who sleep on average less than six hours a night. And you just taught us today that Alzheimer's has a link. That's a symptom there that people obviously were not getting the right uh, enough the proper restful sleep that they needed in their whole... Maybe it started way back in their young lives. You don't know. That's why we think that that probably insufficient sleep in some people with Alzheimer's probably was one of the things that predisposed them to the Alzheimer's. Uh, it's becoming quite clear as to as to how that works. As well as uh, as we get older, lack of deep sleep also seems to predispose to Alzheimer's as well. Because it's during deep sleep, some studies have shown that uh, we clean out most of what I was telling you about the beta amyloid and the tau protein that that is uh, eventually is one of the major causes of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And then I'll add on there, probably a lot of them are drinking enough water. Probably so. I, I would, yeah, I, I'm not a betting person, but we've been studying for so long now, water life science, that we have been determining that people take it for granted. They think they're drinking enough. Now, you did something there. You mentioned something about children. How does yes. a parent teach their children when they go to bed as a young, young person, as a toddler, and how the child could go to sleep restfully and not fight going to bed and go to sleep. How do you, how do, how do you teach that? Well, the first thing you do is what's called self-soothing. You don't, uh, if you're going to rock your child, you don't put them to bed while they're asleep. You put them to bed before they're asleep and teach them at a very young age to self-soothe. In there other words, come. learn to put themselves to sleep. That's very important. A lot of parents, children develop sleep, what we call a sleep onset association disorder, where they, they up until the age of two or three, they have, they have to come into the parent's bedroom, they have to be picked up, they have to be carried. They, they cannot fall asleep unless they're in the mother's arms or they're in certain situations because they've never been taught, taught to self-soothe. So, so the, one of the one of the precepts of, of pediatric insomnia and, and dealing with it is to put the child to bed, maybe in a groggy state but not asleep, let them self-soothe, make sure it's a comfortable environment in the bedroom, temperature, humidity, uh, everything else. Uh, but uh, And uh, if the child continues to, to, to get out of bed or, or call out, you slowly practice what's called extinction. You gradually withdraw over a period of maybe a week or so. You come into the room less often. You come into the room for less amounts of time, and you allow the child to learn to put himself or herself to sleep, and that's one of the keys in childhood insomnia. The other thing that parents forget or don't understand is with 
toddler, with toddlers or older children, they sometimes don't realize how much sleep a child needs compared to an adult. I have lots of patients who think that their six-year-old or seven-year-old will do fine on eight hours of sleep, just like the parent, but that's not the case. That child needs 11 to 12 or possibly wow. even more uh-huh. sleep, and parents, we try to educate parents that for, for, for neurological development in children, they have to get a certain amount of sleep. They can't get by on seven or eight hours a night. And if they do, you're going to see a child who is going to begin having difficulty in school, difficulty with impulse control, and difficulty with cognitive functioning. Right. And their, uh, their, um, their appetite, their craving will change. They'll, well, they'll want more sugar and carbohydrates oh, because they need more. They, they artificially think they need more energy. Absolutely. Lack of sleep also causes a hormone called There ghrelin. we go. To be yeah. produced and lack of sleep. When you produce ghrelin, which is an appetite stimulating hormone, which due to lack of sleep, one tends to crave carbohydrates and foods that go. are high in sugar, which leads to childhood obesity. So one of the well, what happens to us when we're not getting enough water, not getting the proper food, not breathing right, the moderate exercise, and sleeping right, right. is the body begins to crave that artificial fake sugar and carbohydrate. It craves it. You're not even in control. It's craving it. And I always tease on this one, and I'll do it with you. Mm-hmm. The word craving on these kind of things. Uh, have you ever had anything that you eat that you can't eat just one? Oh, sure. Is there anything you eat that you can have, just have one? Yeah, it's difficult. Yes, of course, we all have had that, yeah. Yeah, but which one's yours? Mine is popcorn. Yeah, mine is too. <laughs> I love popcorn. I don't eat it often intentionally, but, you know, that's a crave. Our body says, ooh, I like yeah. this. I totally and, agree. Uh, with children, uh, and they grow up, and then they're thinking about putting, or an adult of any age, uh, going to bed with where you can, the body is not on that artificial kicker. You know what I mean? Right. That's what concerns me about medication, any kind of thing, because the first thing I think about is the over-evaporation of body water already. Number, then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if they think they're going to use a cop-out and take a pill or like that to think that's going to do it, we have to be disciplined for us to do it. We have to learn how to do it, which you're trying to teach us. Right, right. And, and, and basically it begins with education because people are really smarter. There we go, than, the education. People are smarter, but it's just that frequently they're just told by physicians or by health practitioners, do this, but they aren't told why Needs you do the this. education. Right. Now, the other one I'm going to ask you about, and it'll go for all ages too, and we'll get into some of the other ages, but how the bed looks when you go to bed. Have you ever talked to somebody about, well, did you make your bed before you went back to bed to make it more appealing? How are your pillows? Is that a thought? Well, we talk about mat- we, we do talk about mattresses, which is very important, mattresses? and comfortable pillows. These are, these are And colors in the bedroom. There are certain colors that are more conducive to sleep. But, uh, uh-huh. but we do talk very much about the mattress. If your mattress, you have a box spring mattress that's over seven years old, that may be one of the reasons you're having trouble falling and staying asleep. They do wear out. They do start to cause problems. The new memory foam beds and the uh, sleep number beds, by and large, seem to be more conducive and more comfortable. And sometimes it's something as simple as that. Plus, you can also control the temperature of your bed with some of these beds. So the husband, the, the guy might want his, you know, to be at 72 degrees, and the wife might like 66 degrees. And you can actually control the temperature of the beds, the newer beds. And, uh, and I found that for a lot of my patients, that has been the answer. Sometimes uh, the answer is a bedroom divorce. Sometimes the husband or the wife snores, they're loud, they move around all night, and uh, it's very common now, especially amongst millennials. A recent study showed that over 30% uh, are sleeping in separate bedrooms. Wow. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That's going to make for a good... <laughs> I mean, they I'm sorry. They have, I've been married they're, they're, they're staying years, together. They're in love, but they can't sleep together in the same bedroom. They find that when they don't get enough sleep, it destroys their ability to go to you know at work yeah. the next day to concentrate and focus. And so they've made a lot of them make. I'm finding, it, especially in my younger patients, it's not uncommon for them to have what's called a bedroom divorce. They sleep in separate yeah. bedrooms. I can see. Now we don't have much time left, and sure. darn it, uh, I'm going to share some of my time that I have left with you, but. With your athletes out there, I bet you get a lot of athletes coming in wanting to learn how to sleep. We do. We get athletes who uh, who are hoping that uh, who have well, we 
professional athletes and trying, you know, they have mm-hmm. to deal with these time, sudden time changes. So mm-hmm. we try to help them learn how to deal with those time changes. Yeah, we do advise them on that. Well, we only have a minute left for you. Sure. Is there something you would like to say to about your book? Sure. Okay, yeah. Well, the book is Sleep Soundly Every Night, Feel Fantastic Every Day. Uh, the book is, has, deals with most topics on sleep. We begin with the health of sleep and the immune system, the importance of sleep. We get into sleep hygiene, but then we get into topics such as restless leg syndrome. We deal with people who have sleepwalking problems. We deal with people who have sexomnia, which is a, a hidden taboo that people don't talk about very often. People actually have sexual activity in sleep, and we have a lot of people who have that problem. So we pretty much we have a chapter devoted to most of the major topics, sleep apnea, etc., in sleep. And so far, the response to the book has been excellent. It has done very well, and uh, we've gotten almost all five-star reviews on Amazon, so we're very happy mm-hmm. with it, and we're happy we've been able to, uh, to put a book out there that the public finds interesting and educational. Wonderful, and I'm hoping it's in every medical school there is. Thank you. Because sleeping is vital for health, and we just said today, too, that the emotions of the person changes if you're not sleeping healthy. Correct. And taking a pill is not going to work. You've got to learn to be disciplined to learn how to sleep. Well, thank you for your mission and what you're doing. And come on anytime you want to educate us again. I'm sure we couldn't get through it all today. But um, I think we learned a lot, quite an education. It's been great fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. You have a nice day and you be well. You too. Bye. Well, I want to thank you for listening. Don't you think, don't ever stop to forget that I always say breathing, drinking enough water, proper diet for you personally, moderate exercise, and I've always said sleep. So your sleeping is very important like earth sleeps. Look at earth at night when you're looking outside in the dark and you feel the earth and you feel what it's doing. It's resting. And don't turn off your radio. Turn off the music. Turn off everything and just listen. Learn to breathe correctly, to sleep well, learn to drink water. It'll help you go to sleep well. I want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life, every special moment, and somebody else's too. Value life on this planet. But earth whispers, never say goodbye. Because you need to leave something behind of yourself for everybody to know and all the children to know you cared too. Thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.